Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. In 2018, my goal and the, the, the goal of New Day here at Vandalia was to, to, grow the, to grow the congregation. We had this number of, it would be great to see like an average attendance of, of 100 people every Sunday. And we didn't quite hit, hit that goal, but we grew. You know, there's, it's, it's been awesome. Over the last year, we've seen a bunch of new people coming, new families getting plugged in, and it's been, it's been great. We saw a lot of growth and depth in relationship in the Journey to Easter life group that we had way back before Easter and in the, the Kingdom Parables life group. And so Pastor Cameron and I, we're incredibly excited uh, about what happened in, in 2018. And we're really looking forward to seeing where, what God does in and through our community in the, the next year. But I wanted to share that our, our goal for 2019 is we're just shifting it a little bit. Uh, and our goal for, for 2019 is actually to be more intentional about discipleship. All right? And so I'm going to share today about discipleship. I did a real pastory thing and came up with three C's, all right? So discipleship, there's a call, there's a cost, and there is a commissioning. Isn't that pretty good? I don't know if I've ever done that before, alliteration. I'm like a real pastor, yeah? So, but uh, yeah, and so what even is discipleship, right? A lot of times we kind of throw that term around in, in the church and we just assume that everybody knows what it means. Well, this is uh, one definition of discipleship. It is teaching biblical precepts, uh, so uh, instructions, teaching biblical precepts while modeling and guiding others toward living righteously as followers of Jesus Christ. This should be a cyclical process, meaning once we are discipled, we are to disciple others. Right? All of us who are uh, Christ followers today are here because somebody before us followed this cyclical pattern of discipleship, right? And you could say that we are disciple descendants of Jesus and the apostles, right? Because Jesus discipled his disciples, and those disciples discipled people, and those disciples discipled people, on and on for a couple thousand years, and here we are, right? You know, we, are, we know who Jesus is and we're following after him, right? And so we want to be more intentional about this process for ourselves and for the, the church community, right? So the, the, the sermon series throughout 2019, we're going to be talking about grace and truth, which Jesus uh, in the Gospel of John says that he came and he was fully grace and he was fully truth. So the sermon series, we're going to be talking about grace and truth, but throughout the, the year in other ways, like the discipleship track classes and some other things that we have in store, uh, we are going to be uh, stepping into discipleship as a community. And my good friend, I've never met him, but I consider him a friend, Eugene Peterson, uh, who wrote the, the message paraphrase Bible, he said this, a disciple is a learner, but not primarily in the academic setting of a schoolroom, but rather at the work of a craftsman. We don't just acquire information about God, but skills 
in faith. Eugene Peterson is a pastor's pastor. This guy is, is amazing, but it, and he is an academic. He translated the, the message Bible from uh, the original Greek. He's not against the a- academy in any way, right? He values that, the, the, a classroom setting, and we are pressing into that in 2019, a classroom setting. But discipleship is a lot more than just learning some information, you know, about this, this book that we that we hold on to. Right? There's a mo- lot more than just learning information. It's, it's taking that information and learning to apply it in our lives. And the reality is that that just happens best when we're actually doing life with one another. When we, as you know, somebody who is a little bit further down the road, can show somebody these skills of faith. Right? We can show somebody what forgiveness actually looks like. Right? It's one thing to, to read about Jesus saying, you know, how, you know, you should forgive, how many times should I forgive? You know, Jesus says seven times 70 or 70 times seven or whatever it is. He means a lot. You should forgive a lot. And we can go, okay, great. I should forgive. Well, that's good to know. But when you run into somebody who has hurt you and offended you so badly that you just cannot bring yourself to forgive them, that's when you need somebody that can come alongside you and help you and, and guide you and walk down that path with you. Right? And it's the, the same with forgiveness as it is learning to, to walk in repentance or learning to walk in humility and service. Right? It's, a, it's important that we have somebody on the outside that can guide us and direct us and show us where we're, we're hitting the mark and show us where we're missing it, right? And so we think, as a church, we know that healthy things tend to grow, right? We believe that a healthy church is going to grow, and so our hope is that as we step into a more purposeful discipleship process for all of us, as we all kind of get on board with this idea, maybe even make a resolution to do it, we, uh, we grow as individuals and we make an incredible impact on our community and we grow as a church community, making an even bigger impact on our community. All right? And so today what I want to do is look through the Gospel of Matthew and see how Jesus and his followers modeled uh, discipleship and how we can apply that into our lives in the pursuit of our individual spiritual formation and the spiritual formation of our community. Okay, okay? that's where we're going. I need a little drink. And so we're talking about a call, a cost, and a commission. So first, we're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew. This is in chapter 4. Jesus is just beginning his earthly ministry. He has been baptized by the Holy Spirit, or by by John in in the Jordan. The Holy Spirit has sent him out into the wilderness for 40 days where he was tempted by the the devil. Now he has come back and he's beginning his, his ministry and he begins calling some people. It says in Matthew 4, 18, Now Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, 
and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. And so here, Jesus, beginning his ministry, starts to call some people to to follow him. And to follow literally means to come along behind, to come behind, right? Do what I do. Go where I go. And what we see when he calls them, he's not calling them just to be kind of, you know, administrative support for his mission, right? He's not calling them just to kind of take care of, uh, you know, the cleaning up after dinner as they're traveling around the, the, the countryside as Jesus is doing all the ministry, right? They're not just supporters, but he's calling them to be fishers of men, to do the work of ministry, the very same ministry that Jesus himself, the the Messiah, had come to do. He called them to make new subjects of God's coming kingdom. And another thing that we see in this passage here, when we see both of these groups of guys, or all four of these guys, immediately left their nets and followed him immediately left. And that's crazy. It's, there's this, uh, this complete commitment that they have, which that, that they responded to the, the call of Jesus. It wasn't half-hearted. It wasn't, well, let me think about it. Right? They responded to the call. They immediately left their, their nets. And this is certainly not meaning that as disciples we should all quit our jobs and, uh, and follow, I don't know who you would follow, the spirit of Jesus. I think he's over here. No, that's not, the point here, I, I think, is that there's this complete disruption of, Shad liked that one, good, thank you Shad. So there's this complete disruption of their normal way of life. Like when Jesus said, come and follow me, everything changed for them. When I was uh, a teenager in my, my early 20s, before I uh, was saved, before I became a Christ follower, I was actually in a, a rock and roll band. Amber remembers. I had long, curly hair. I played the guitar. Uh, our band was called Social Blunder. Not Blender, as most everybody thought it was. It was Blunder, Social Blunder. We were really great. <laughs> and... Uh, and we had just begun, we actually were getting a little bit better. We had just begun like playing some shows here and there in, in Kalamazoo. Uh, we played a show at Club Soda and one at Harvey's on the Mall. We, we thought we were pretty hot stuff. I mean, they were probably like Monday night shows or something. So, But anyway, and so we were excited about that. But in that process, right, I come to, to, to faith in Jesus. I have an encounter with, with Jesus and give my life to him. And when I, I did, suddenly some stuff started changing in my life. We would go to uh, the drummer's house. His name was Jeff. We'd go to his house to, to practice these songs that we were writing. And we were practicing this. I remember uh, we practiced on this like three-season porch or something. And we were playing this song. And I remember turning to the guys and going, I just can't sing this song anymore. And they're like, 
what are you talking about? It's like, I just don't believe it's good. I didn't have the word, I didn't have any good vocabulary for it, right? I was just like, I just am not buying into what we're selling anymore. And that one song, and then another song, and another song, and then the whole band kind of dissolved. And though it was just, it was a silly fantasy, right? There's no way that we were going to, to make it big as, as rock stars. Coming to Jesus, answering the call of Jesus, caused me to change some stuff in my life. It had a, a radical impact on me. And that is what, that is what I think is modeled here in this, in this passage. They immediately left their boat. They immediately left their father. These things that they trusted in, these things that were the, the reason for, for living for a while, they left those things to follow Jesus. When Amber and I do marriage counseling, we will talk, or pre-marriage counseling, we'll talk about this idea of leaving and cleaving, right? The, you know, the, 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 the newly married couple is to, to leave their father and mother and cleave to one another. And so that, and that is really important, right? But that doesn't mean that, the leaving doesn't mean I'm rejecting my parents, I'm, I'm turning, they have no meaning in my life anymore, right? Or I'm, they're dead to me. Right? That's not what that leaving is, right? But we, we leave this thing for something else. We, we leave everything else and cleave to Jesus. And then everything else is reoriented under the, the lordship of Jesus. Right? We leave everything. Peter, later in the Gospel of Matthew, says, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. And so each one of us today or sometime in the past has, has received this call, will you follow me? And we have to ask, am I willing to do that? Am I willing to answer the call? And this call, as we can see in this other, this previous passage, contains a cost. Right? Nowhere in the, the biblical narrative, nowhere in, in, the, in the scriptures does it say, like, turn to Jesus, give your life to Jesus, and everything's going to be great. Life is going to be all rainbows and lollipops, right? It's going to be so good, right? Like, no, we see very clearly that there is a cost to this discipleship, to answering the call. A few chapters later, Jesus says, it says, Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to depart to the other side of the sea. Then a scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, permit me first to go bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and allow the dead to bury their own dead. So in the Gospel of Matthew, he draws these very interesting distinctions between the, the crowds and the disciples. And the disciples were these committed followers of Jesus. They went where he went. They did what he did. They listened to his teaching. They did their best to put those teachings into action. 
Right? And then there was the crowd. This was a, a group of onlookers that they were not seriously attached to Jesus. Right? The, the crowds, they probably heard about Jesus. You know, they were talking to a, a friend over lunch, and they're like, oh, did you hear about this new rabbi Jesus? He's teaching these crazy things, right? And, but I heard that he healed old blind Bartimaeus the other day. Or, you know, did you hear uh, that Jesus is teaching out in, in the field? This weekend, and they're like, all right, well, I'm going to go check them out. And so this crowd will turn up wherever Jesus is ministering. This, this crowd of onlookers turns up, but they're not seriously attached. They're not committed followers. They're just out to see what the fuss is about, right? Wow, what's he teaching about? What does he, what does he mean by that? I've never heard anything like that before. Or they heard about some healing, and so they just, oh, maybe I can just get a, a touch Right? I can just experience this, this healing that I, that I need, but then I'm just going to go about my life. Right? There's this separation between the, the crowds and the committed disciples. And this scribe in this passage seems to be kind of teetering on the edge. He's kind of called a disciple because it talks about the, the scribe talking to Jesus and then it says, another disciple. So it seems like maybe he was a disciple, but he also refers to Jesus as teacher, which throughout the Gospel of Matthew, only outsiders, only the crowd calls him teacher. The, the inner core, the, the disciples call him rabbi or, or Lord or Jesus. And so he's kind of teetering on the edge. And he, and he says, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere that you go. And Jesus basically says, really? Are you really going to follow me? You realize there's a, there's a cost to this. Right? This isn't going to be all lollipops and rainbows. Is that what I said? Lollipops and rainbows? <laughs> you know, this isn't, this isn't all easy. You know, I don't have a nice place to lay my head down, right? We're not going into, we're not going to uh, great America here, right? We're, we're going... To, to do ministry, and it's going to be tough. The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Are you ready to, to count the cost to follow me? So this man, this scribe teetering on the edge of uh, being a committed disciple and being on the outskirts has to make a decision. We can't just choose Jesus bit by bit. Oh, I kind of need Jesus now because I'm depressed, or I kind of need Jesus now because I'm in this terrible situation, though he is there and he responds. Amazingly. I'm reading through the book of Judges in my, uh, in my daily Bible reading, all right? and it's this 400-year period of or 400 years of the Israelites rejecting God and then you know their enemies taking over them and then them calling out for to favor or calling out for God to deliver them and then God responds and they say thank you and everything's good for a little bit and then they fall back into idol worship and they get taken out it's just cycle over and over again and and God is so loving and so gracious that he will respond to them Right? But as disciples, we can't live in that cycle of turning to Jesus and then doing our thing and turning to Jesus. Right? That is going to, to give us calluses in our heart. We're going to turn away from, from Jesus. 
And so we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to pay the cost of following Jesus? And the next disciple, he wants to to follow Jesus, but he says, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And most likely, this doesn't mean that his father was was dead and he had to to go take care of the funeral. Most likely, in this day, the father was still alive and and it was the oldest son's responsibility to to take care of the the father in his old age and then bury, bury him, you know, when he passed on. But Jesus says, you know, this is a now this is a now call. Are you willing to follow me with, without any qualification, without waiting for something to happen? You know, a lot of us want to follow Jesus, but there's these things that we want to accomplish first. Or there's this one, couple of things that we want to, to hold on to that we're not ready to, to let go of. And I believe Jesus is calling us to lay all that stuff aside, to lay everything down and go, Jesus, I immediately leave my nets. I immediately leave my boat and I will follow you. I'm willing to count the cost. So are you willing to count the cost of following Jesus? Is there anything that you are placing your loyalty above Jesus that it's time to go, Jesus, I repent of that and I put my loyalty to you first and foremost. Is Jesus your priority? I learned something. <laughs> Caught me off guard. I learned something uh, the other day that priority used to be, there used to be no plural for priority. Isn't that interesting? Because there could be only one priority. So you could not have multiple priorities. Right? And so in this cost, this call, is to make Jesus your one priority. And let everything else fall into its right place under the submission of Jesus Christ. So we are called, each one of us is called to follow Jesus. All of us have been told that there is a cost. It's going to cost us to lay down our lives to follow him. Just like Jesus laid his life down for us. But then if we answer the call, if we are willing to pay the cost, we are given a commission. This is often referred to as the the Great Commission. This is in Matthew chapter 28. After Jesus' betrayal, after his, uh, his trial, after his death on the cross, after his resurrection, after appearing to over four or 500 people in his resurrected body, he's talking to the disciples right before his ascension, into heaven. And this, oh, this is the message version. This is from Eugene Peterson's The Message, my friend Eugene. He translates it, Jesus, undeterred, went right ahead and gave his charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this, day after day, right up to the end of the age. So Jesus has been authorized 
to give us this commission. In the New American Standard Bible, uh, it says, all, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven on earth, right? All authority. And it's in that authority, right? It's in that power that Jesus has given us. That is our, our horsepower for going out and making disciples. This is what Jesus has called us to do. The very last thing that he told the 12 disciples on that, wherever he, wherever he was, I should probably know that, before he ascended into heaven. Right? And this wasn't just for those disciples, but they are, that is a command to us as well. This commission is not actually an option. A lot of times we don't think that we have what it takes. Right? We don't, I don't have what it, how can I disciple somebody? Right? How can I teach somebody else about Jesus? I can very clearly see my life, and it is a mess. Well, I had a, a very good friend. His name was Scott Jones. He is now the pastor of New Day, South Carolina. And he, I didn't realize it at the time, but the, when I got saved, he only got saved like two or three months before that. And I, like in my mind, like he, He's, he was always there. He's a pillar of the church. Now, he's just a messed up guy like me. But he took me in. He invited me to these uh, uh, small groups they were doing. And he would talk to me. And we would have conversations. He would, we'd have, hold each other accountable for our Bible reading. And he showed me and helped me to, to see how to apply all this stuff that we were learning about, all these skills of faith into my life. And he did not have it all together. You know, we don't need to be a lot farther. We don't have to get our, you know, seminary degree or accomplish this other class or do this other thing before we start the process of discipling. Right? We have been commissioned. We have been called. You've ever seen pictures or, or been to a commissioning of a, like a, a warship? I looked, I've never been to one, but it's this, it's this cool, big hoopla, right? And it's called the, the commissioning, and there's some speakers, and there's a band, and the, the boat's all done up in red, white, and blue for the states, probably other colors for other countries. And, and, it's, the, and it's this launching this, this warship usually out for its purpose, right? And this warship has been created, has been given everything that it needs to fulfill its, its mission, whatever that is. And so when Jesus commissions us, he doesn't commission us without giving us the, the tools that we need to accomplish this thing that he's called us to do. No, he has filled us, he has poured out the Holy Spirit upon us, and he has given us this power. Everything that we need to accomplish what he's called us to do, we can do. We are sent under the authority of Jesus. Right? I, can, I can picture uh, in, in my mind like this, uh, in this medieval kingdom, the, this messenger coming to, to give a, a message to this king. And he says, Who, under whose authority do you come to, to give me a message? Oh, under the authority of my king. Right? I'm a messenger under the authority of my king. And so I have the right to speak to you, king. Right? And so it's the same thing that we have. We have been commissioned. We have been given authority. And so we can step into that and trust that God is going to lead us and guide us and help us to fulfill this uh, command, this commission to make disciples. 
And this doesn't mean that we don't study. This doesn't mean that we don't do our part to, to, to read the Word. We don't spend time praying or worshiping to, to, to build and grow in our intimacy with Jesus. But it, what it means is that it, you don't go, oh, once I achieve this level of spirituality, then I can start, you know, discipling. Right? You can do it. Once you're saved for a week, find somebody that hasn't been saved for a week, and you're one week better. Not better. That's probably not true. You're better. You're probably one week better. So, all right. so we're called. We can do it. We've been given this commission. We've been empowered to do it. And the passage goes on to show that the, that the discipleship looks like baptizing. And baptizing in this culture would have been a, a declaration of allegiance. Right? That's what we are calling people into complete allegiance to Jesus, turning away from all of our former allegiances, right? Baptism is an incredibly significant thing. And sometimes we downplay it and we don't think as, as highly of it as we ought. But there are cultures around the world where once somebody is baptized into the name of Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, right, they are, are marked out for death or they're shunned from their families. They are, you know, they're done, in their culture, they're, they're turned away from. Right? Baptism is an allegiance. We're calling people to allegiance. We're also call, we're told to instruct them in what Jesus has commanded. Again, teaching people these skills of faith, forgiveness and repentance and love and service and humility and all that kind of stuff. Right? And this is for each and every one of us. This isn't, you know, discipleship isn't for some of the spiritual elite. It's not for, you know, vocational paid ministry, right? There is a, a call in Ephesians. God said, uh, Paul says, you know, that he gave the, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the building up of the church so that they can do ministry, right? We are all in this together. We all have a, a role to play. You know, we don't want to be sitting on the, the sideline, you know, just watching the show. We don't want to be just the crowd. We want to get involved, answer the call, count the cost, and take up this commission that we've been given. And so I'm here to tell you that you've got what it takes. You can do it. And we, as a community, are going to step into this as best we can. We're going to run after discipleship, and it's okay if we're not perfect. We're just going to keep doing it. I have uh, spent the, the last couple years pouring into a, a young man, and it's been just amazing. It's, it, I've grown so much from it, right? You learn a lot from, from teaching. And, you know, it's fun to, to see somebody grow and, and get stronger in, in their faith, right? I told him a few weeks ago, hey man, it's time for you to go out and find a disciple. Right? We got to get this cycle moving. And so we're all somewhere on this track of being discipled or making disciples. And it doesn't, I don't know what it has to look like. That's the thing. I don't want to make it, a, it's not a program. Right? I don't want to be like, oh, I'm going to accomplish, check off this thing and check off this thing, check off this thing, and now I'm discipled. Right? Eugene Peterson, which we talked about earlier, said, you know, it's not just about this academic setting, learning knowledge, but it's walking, it's doing life with people. Right? So having people to your house, having these conversations, praying with people, being 
open and honest, letting people know your struggle so that they can help you. Right? Looking for somebody older than you. Hey, can you pour into my life? Whatever that looks like. And where can I find people to pour into? Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's Sunday school. Maybe it's somebody else that just got saved at the church. Maybe it's somebody at your work. I don't know what it is exactly going to look like, but we are running after it because that is the commission that Jesus gave to us. And so over the next year, we're going to be doing four things. One has a graphic. That's how well I've thought through the other three things. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be starting this, this discipleship track. And as Andy said, it's going to be four five-week classes that are going to take place throughout 2019. The first one starting in February. It's basically, it's like, take, it's like a five-week class, take a few weeks off, five-week class, take a few weeks off class. And these will cover the important foundational uh, uh, doctrines of, of the, the Christian faith. You know, we'll be talking about the Father, talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about sin, talking about all that fun foundational stuff. And even if you know it, it's, it's going to be a good time. It's, it's great to, to continue growing in, in your understanding of that stuff. But we're also going to talk about the values of New Day Community Church. To talk about the, the Father's heart. You know, receiving the love of the Father. Talking about intimacy with Jesus. Hearing God's voice. We're going to talk about, um, you know, finding healing for the, the wounds in, in our hearts and a bunch of other stuff. So it's really, really great. We've taught it for a number of years up at, up at the Nichols campus, and it's really, really good. I'm excited about, you know, running into that stuff with you guys. But we're also going to be calling people to, to serving. And that doesn't necessarily mean here at the, at the church on Sunday mornings, though it absolutely can. There's a lot of places to get plugged in. But our community is in need. There's a lot of places that you can plug in and lay your life down for others. And it's such an important part of the discipleship process. And we're going to be talking about encouraging people to be being discipled. Who is pouring into your life? Who knows you? Who can you be real with? Who is helping you to apply these skills of faith to your marriage, to your family, to your workplace? And, and finally, you're going to be encouraging people to find ways to disciple others. You know, teaching Sunday school, or helping with the youth, or whatever that looks like. I have no idea. Discipling your spouse. Can you disciple your spouse? Yes. Dale says yes. I don't know if this is a mutual... It's where you start. Thank you, Dale. (laughs) I should have had Dale preach this. (laughs) So, yeah, so we want to find ways to disciple, and we're going to be helping each one of us kind of figure out what that looks like uh, for us. So that is what we're doing. We are going to be taking uh, discipleship up, up a notch here at New Day Community Church, and I am really, really excited about it, and don't make, I don't want that to feel like heavy, like, oh, great, now I've got another thing that I have to do, right? This is part of, of being in the, the community. This is part of following Jesus, making disciples and being discipled. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and so I encourage you to take part in the discipleship track where we're really going to be running after this. So, all right, that's that. Let's pray. Father God, we love you, and we thank you that you love us so much, that you have called us to follow you, 
Lord, that though there is a cost, you are with us and you are for us. And we know in you, following you, is fullness of joy. That that is the only stable and solid foundation. So whatever that cost is, God, we know that it's worth it. And Lord, we thank you for trusting us to commission us to go and make disciples. And Lord, I pray right now that you would start speaking to us, that you would show us ways that we can pour into other people's lives, where we can disciple others. Lord, and that you would show us how we can continue to be discipled. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all you did in 2018. We look forward to what you're going to do in 2019. In your name we pray. Amen.